Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose in our series, The Life. And this is program number 65, and we're going to call this one The Contrast. So it's program number 65 in the series, The Life. If you want to go to our website, you'll be able to... Um, hook up with this program and and all of our programs for that matter. It's at www.justasiamministries.com and all of our previous programs are on there. There's probably 10 years worth of programming, uh, many different series, but like I said before, this one is the series The Life. And Susan, before we get going, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that you give us minds to think and eyes to see the contrast between um, things that are right and things that are wrong, things that are good, things that are evil. And we just pray now that you send your spirit to um, help us to learn, to guide us in in the way that you would have us to walk, because it it's only through your goodness and grace and power that we're able to um, live day to day according to um, your principles. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so as we talk, we're going to get into a parable that Jesus told after he had um, ran, basically, I want to say, ran the Pharisees out of the temple. And as we were talking about the temple in a few previous programs, remember now uh, that the the temple is actually an, a, a living object lesson, if you will. The temples that the temple of old, the, the temple that Jesus actually worshipped in, um, you know, it had the court and it had the holy place and it had the most holy place, and um, and basically. Uh, what it was a resemblance of was the human heart. You have the court where the the human heart sacrifices for God, and that's where the sacrifice took place. Then you have the holy place, the mind itself, and then you have the most holy place, the residence of God. And that's whenever God says his spirit has left, it's because we reject him and he's no longer residing in our mind temple. And we do bad things because we're influenced by the devil when God no longer resides in his temple between our ears. Right. And I've heard um, people talk about, and this is like kind of off topic, but not about the unpardonable sin. And I think that, um, and I'm not a theologian, but um, the unpardonable sin, I believe, is that God is willing and capable and able to forgive anything but if we've rejected him to the place where we no longer desire to hear from him or be with him, to me, that is like, that's like we've closed the door completely. We lose the very capacity. Right. I think of King Saul, right. who 
time after time God instructed him to do something and he didn't do it. He he let his pride and his ego get in the way until finally King Saul went to a necromancer or a spiritualist or you know or or a divinitor is what they called him to seek and bring up spirits of the dead which we know are just simply demons and he actually had lost the very capacity to communicate with God anymore. We grieve God away. He doesn't grieve us away. Right. We're we're the ones that reject his spirit. So this is kind of like I I was just kind of the thought came to me is like so this program really is kind of the um the basis of the Christian walk because um and I think Rich is going to talk about the temple and the um maybe we'll both talk about the temple and the different appearances of the people that were in there and and God says, you know, unless I think he says in the Old Testament, unless the lion is dead, there is still hope for yes. the human heart. Yes. And um, I think that as Christians, and even for myself as I walk through day to day, I think I lose the capacity to see things through God's eyes, mm-hmm. to see that that people, um, and, and I judge them according to my thoughts of what you know a Christian is supposed to be or what a Christian is supposed to look like and so my own thoughts are are judging a They're person coloring. correct and and um god is like you're so wrong yeah you know you're so way off base and i think that's what was established at this portion of the bible story about what Jesus was trying to communicate to us. Yeah, and you, 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 so let's in our mind's eye, we go to the temple. Jesus has just run out the money changers, the beasts, the Pharisees, and he's run them out, and the people that remain are the little children and all the outcasts, all the peoples, all the people that are remaining there are those that the religious leaders had said God had rejected. Right. And yet, there they are. And so somehow, and that's why we're going to call this the contrast, because it's an amazing contrast. And somehow, Jesus has the the ability to make everybody in the room afraid of him, except for little children and all the outcasts. And the outcasts, and they were weak, and, and they were needing, you know, uh, uh, healing. Right, right. So it's interesting, so, because the high priest in the temple— he was clothed in these expensive clothes. He had a glittering tiara. His appearance was majestic. His hair and his long beard were silvered by age, and his presence must have just like put people in complete awe. Yeah. So, so to to our view, he looked good. Right. He looked important. He looked saintly. He looked knowledgeable. He looked like he had it together. So why verse? You know, versus the maimed, the children, um, the outcasts, those that weren't. In fact, if you think to him, as as they stood when they came back, Jesus standing in the midst of uh, the high priest. Jesus is the Majesty of Heaven. Right, he is. He, he doesn't is, have. He is yeah, right. He's, he's he it. embodies right. everything. And here he stands with his clothes travel stained. His face was pale. He must, he must have expressed a sort of patient sadness as all this is going on. But written on his face was dignity, benevolence, and that contrasted with the proud, self-confident, and angry air of the high priest. And, I, and it just takes me back to that second episode of Narnia, and I think we talked about it in a previous program, where there's an entire 
Talmarine army that is trying to cross a bridge, and on the other side of the bridge is an eight-year-old girl standing there. Right. And the, and the army goes to cross, and they see this eight-year-old girl, and they look at her, and they stop. Stops them in his tracks. Right, but and then but all they're of this, ready. But then, and then they're thinking it's just an eight-year-old. It's year just old a girl. girl, but she stops them. And then, of course, Aslan, the lion, walks up beside her, and there's a a, a battle ensues. And, and I'm not going to give away what happens, but this is the this is what truth and God on your side can do. Mm-hmm. And here's Jesus. He, like I say, he didn't have the best clothes on. They were travel stained. He had no home. He had no home. He's with kids and probably drunkards and, you know, any number of outcast people. And that was his, if you will, his people. And he contrasted with this high priest who was, really looked good. Right. Right? Right. Um, as the and as the popular feeling turned in the Lord's favor, the hatred of the priest towards Jesus increased. So every time they saw Jesus, they they dis you know, they disliked and they hated him more and more because he he was contrasted with the rabbis. Yeah, and always. It, and it was not Christ's purpose to humiliate his opponents. He never did. Remember when he wrote the sins in the dust? Right. He did not want to humiliate those people. Uh, when the woman was thrown down in and, adultery, and, you know, he does. He, and he, he protects did, he, your reputation. Right. But not only that, but he did not. He was not um, happy to see those Pharisees in that position no, either. No, he, he did. does not want to see anybody put in a position where their um, where their truth is hitting them, and then they're going against that truth. I think Jesus Jesus desires us to you know. Take the soft knocks of life as opposed to the hard knocks that we that most of us choose. But he has an important lesson to teach. He has his enemy. He has mortified his enemies by allowing them to be entangled in the net that they have spread for him. And and that's what happens. Right. He doesn't like to see us in a hard place. He doesn't like to see. But circumstance, you know, the circumstances that we that, that we incur with our own behavior cause us to be in a pickle right in and those the only way we're gonna yeah the only way we're gonna learn anything uh, is to to work through that pickle you know right because um that's why the text is um be careful how you judge because that judgment is what you will be judged by right right and so he had an opportunity now right to teach him a lesson right and so it was a golden opportunity because this was this was it. They were in the temple. Here's God, and here's supposedly man's representative of God, and here it is. So he's going to teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. And he says to them, "What do you think?" He asked. He said, "A certain man has two sons, and he came to the first son and he said, "Son, go work today in my vineyard.'" He answered and said, "I will not." But afterwards he repented and he went. And then he came to the second and said the same thing. And the second son said, I go, sir, I will go work. But he did not go. Which of them did the will of his father? So this is this is the parable that he tells, and everybody's kind of put back. Off because, guard a little right, bit. Yeah. Absolutely. So they followed the, close, the parable closely, and now immediately they answered. The first 
Fixing his eyes on them, Jesus responded in stern, probably you can see him, solemn tones, Verily I say to you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and harlots believed in him. And ye, when you had seen it, repented not, and afterwards that ye might believe. So, once again, it's another living object lesson. Jesus is telling them the parable um, about them. Right. And and it was obvious that the priests and the rulers had to give correct answer to Jesus' question, and so he was able to get them to commit their own opinion in favor of the first son. This son represents the people that we think aren't saved, right? right? We, right. we think they're the unworthy or the incapable. Right. And they were desp- and and that's what the Pharisees thought about everybody else but themselves. They thought that everybody else were losers and they were incapable of obtaining the kingdom of God. Sure. I mean they were they were immoral. They were wearing their immor immorality if that's a word on their sleeves. Right. They'd been unthankful and ungod- ungodly and you know Susan and I we were in the same boat, you know. No thanks Lord, talk to the hand. We're going to go our own way, right? Um, and so they didn't want to to go, but when uh, when John came preaching, something happened. The right. Holy Spirit touched them, and they they all said, "You know what? We're done here. We we need to repent." We've we this man speaks this truth. man speaks the truth, right? Yeah. So the second son represents the leading men of the Jewish nation. Some of the Pharisees had repented and received the baptism of John but the leaders would not acknowledge that he had come from God. His warnings and denunciations didn't draw out repentance from them. They rejected the counsel of God against themselves, not being baptized by him. And that's in Luke 7.30. They treated his message with contempt. And so you got to stop and think, okay, so these were the leaders and the, um, the men of religion, stature, and knowledge, and the message of God comes... And they completely reject it. And so I have to go to my own life and say, is, you know, is God sending me that message through his word or through people? And am I rejecting it? Is my, yeah, is my pride and my quote unquote knowledge? Or my love of my life, right? Of the way I have it. Right. And, and is that is that more important or does that cut against or across what God is trying to tell me that, that you know, that I'm, I'm actually moving farther away from him than right. closer to him because right. I'm gravitating towards um, whatever it may be. And you know the thing is, is it's like, and I can see this happening for myself. Everything in this world, all I can say is absolute crazy, upside down. What's mm-hmm. going on? And it's so easy to be able to draw, to be able to be drawn away mm-hmm. from God as being your center to allow the world to be your center. Yeah. And so, how much time are you spending with God, and how much time are you spending with the cares of this world and the craziness of this world? Because we can't do anything about that anyway. Right. And it, it is nuts. And if for us to 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 think or. To, that we're able to do anything about the the insanity that's going on on this planet right now is absurd. And so I think it's interesting because you can contrast it to the Pharisees because the Pharisees, their whole job, the whole job of the Jewish nation was to reach people within their sphere of influence, yeah, yeah. right? 
And so how many of us, and I have to ask myself, do I reach the sphere of my influence with the correct message day by day? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that daily, um, it may not seem like it's a big deal, but it's that daily impression that I make to the people that I come in contact with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is the lens that people look through. People look at someone that is down and out and say they're cursed of God. In other words, they're out of favor with God, or um, God doesn't love them as much as he loves me because look at me and I'm blessed, mm-hmm. which in God is not a respecter of persons. It matters not what money you have. It matters not any of that kind of stuff that we look upon and as being successful, as being successful right. right? And defining success is, is our relationship with God getting stronger or is it getting weakened? That is the definition of success. Right. Um, things are going to happen in, on this planet and we, we don't know. We, we're only, I, I have a job today. I don't know if I have it tomorrow. Right. You know, I have a home today. I don't know if I have it tomorrow. Right. See, all of these things we think, um, are given, right? Are, yeah, and and you know this is not our home. So, the, like the second son, who when he was called, he said, "I go, sir," but he didn't go. Just like the priests and the rulers, they professed obedience. Remember what is obedience? Love God and love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, they professed obedience, but they didn't have it. They professed piety, but it was a false piety. It was a false obedience. And I want to talk a little bit about actions versus claims, because this happens a lot. Um, People can claim to be good people. Mm -hmm. People can claim to care about other people. People can can claim to love God. Can claim all these things, but the actions are going to reveal it. And we we talked a few programs ago, ago about intentions versus actions, and this is why we're so hard on other people, is because we can only see what they have done. Right. And so we judge them on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. And, you know, my intentions are pretty darn good. Right. But I'm I'm sorry. I don't when I look at my actions, they don't follow my intentions. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Mm-hmm. Who did the will of the Father right. is the one that actually followed through. You know, may have said, you know, I don't I'm not going to go, but then listened to his conscience and his actions actually followed through. It's really easy to make claims. Right. So so, so what you're saying is that even a religious person can have a distinct contrast between the will of God and their desire to do the will of God. Exactly. So we can have a desire to do the will of God, but if we are not trusting and have a relationship with God and understand his principles and live by those principles, then we it could be the difference between black and white. It can. And there's no coming together. Yeah, because our, our interpretation of the will of God is always going to be tainted with our car- carnal nature and our, our desire to get ahead. Right. And so when we're, when we're feeding that nature of getting ahead, getting ahead, and getting ahead, then God's true desires for us cut against that. Right. And they frustrate us. So that's interesting that you said, and I, and so what about this? So you say our desire to get ahead, but what if it's our desire just to do what, you know, we have a list of things and we say, well, I know that this God is, is desiring me to do this and 
through that, going through that list, you'll like bulldoze everybody well, yeah. in order to make sure you got your list done. So you done get the because, checklist done exactly. because either, you know, you've got to deal with God. Right. That you'll stay in his favor exactly. as long as you've got all the boxes checked. Right. God's not worried about boxes. Because I think that that's a real human um, nature thing that that can sink us if we're not fully aware of, of you know, if we're not really examining to see what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. God is interested in people. Right. That's what he's interested in. Right. You know, he, uh, doing all these things is great if they're for the right reason, but he's interested in people. And if it comes down to, like you say, we end up being a bulldozer. And I know I've got my agenda. I've got my list. And I can I can be a bulldozer when somebody gets in my way of that list that I've got to get done that day. Right. A lot of them are good things. A lot of them I claim keep my sanity because I've got to get them done at a certain time or whatever. And I forget about people. Right. And this is where God, this is this is where God, and and I think what happens is is when we do that we injure people, and it's in the like, process, and, right? And it's like injuring a child, right? Because even though someone's an adult, if we do the wrong thing and we we do something to harm somebody, it's like you know we're all little children. Yeah, we, that's all we are, right? We, we're all little children. We all have our little quirks and habits, and some of the tendencies towards selfishness that we've nurtured our whole life and when someone pokes at those little selfish spots like and 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 maybe is going to um um what do i want to say could possibly injure get in our way of our our little selfish path right it it harms us like little children and we act out right we just do. That's right. the human nature. And that's why the wages of sin is death. The more we feed the selfish nature, the more the selfish nature is going to get angry and throw a tantrum when things don't get to go his or her way. Right. And the thing is, is we injure ourselves, but the injury goes birth, both ways, right? So we're, it's, it's like this, God is like watching this world, and it's not only are we injuring other people, but in Doing that injury to somebody else, we're actually actually injuring ourselves. Yes, sin sin causes damage, right? Not only to to the sinner, but to the people around him. And this is where it comes back full circle to where we lose the very capacity to love. We lose the very capacity to hear God's voice. And this is why He is saying, "Sin pays its wage. Its wage is death." We like what we do, and because we like what we do, we do it more. The more we do it, the more we like it. The more we like it, the more we do it, and it gets it gets faster and faster. And God says, when you go down that path, it's going to get worse and worse and worse until you lose the very. Cap- you will think you're doing me a favor. Just like the Pharisees, just right? like the Pharisees, when they were crucifying, when they, they brought thought Jesus to... that this was a good idea right. to nail God to a cross. Right. They thought that this was going to save their nation. Right? They had lost the very a lot of them. Some of them repented, but a lot of them lost the very capacity to recognize God right. and to recognize His loving kindness. Here's God in the temple with little kids and drunks and 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 blind people and whatnot, and they thought that was a bad thing, right? For Him to be in the temple with them, ministering to, to be them. contaminated by the yes, heathen. Right. I thought that was a bad thing, right? 
And so this this is we we lose that very capacity. Right. And we lose the very capacity and we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. And it be, and we can harm we can harm ourselves and other and not even know. Right. And not even know. And so um, we're getting close to the end, folks. We're going to have to wrap it up again. Um, you can go to our website, www.justasiamministries, and hear all of these programs. And if you want a, a resource or two, uh, drop us a line, 916-645-1297, and uh, shoot us a call, and Susan can uh, get out the resources you need. We have books. We have, uh, uh, and like I say, we have the radio programs on the website, um, and so, and you can request online as well. You can request online as well. And remember folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.